So we looked at, uh, uh, we're be- last week we looked at the beginning of a kind of two, as I said, two-part, <laughs> I feel like we could do two years on community groups, but two weeks, and uh, we did the five W's and H of community group. Some of you may or may not remember, we looked at the who of community group, the what and the why of community group. Today we will look at the where, the when, the where, the when, the, the when, the where, and the how. And uh, just by way of reminder, last week we looked again at wh- who, what, and why. So who is you, who is some people in your church, and I say some from your church because right now we have one community group in our church. Soon we're going to have two, and then we're going to have four, and then we'll have eight and 16. And you see what I'm saying? And so in time, it's going to be that not all of the ch- church body is in a community group, but we need some. Thirdly is your sphere of influence, and that means people that God has in your life. And you know to be a missionary, to be on mission for Jesus, to live in mission, you do not need to go to the foreign nations. You don't know. I've lived in Africa. I've, I've gone to Asia. I've gone to Australia. I've, and I've learned this. People are, are people everywhere you go in the world. And all of us need Jesus. And he came for all of the world. And so your neighbors, your colleagues, your coworkers, your friends, your family, people that you have a relationship with, God wants to use that relationship as a bridge so that he can go from inside of you to walk across and find a home inside of another. Because we are his residents. You know you, okay, so that's who. And then who also would include groups beyond our sphere of influence? Because he calls us to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost ends of the earth, which means your local, your region, your nation, and the nations of the earth, right? And so you always have to be thinking and praying and acting on those beyond. And then the why of community group is to create a vehicle in the church that expresses that thing of what most of following Jesus 2,000 years ago looked like, which was community. Did you know, and just by way of reminder, it was impossible to follow Jesus physically 2,000 years ago without joining a community. You cannot follow Jesus alone. To follow Jesus physically 2,000 years ago, you had to be a part of the community he was with, and it's the same today. And so uh, why we do community group is to facilitate that thing of community. We eat meals, we pray together, we get to know each other, and we are known. So today, let's look at the when of community group. When is community group? If you can follow along with me, that's great. If you can't, that's fine also. Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 46. When is community group? Acts is after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. It's the first one after there. In fact, it is, uh, ha! it is, um, did you remind everybody to turn the phones off? Okay. So, uh, so Jackie gets a pass there because <laughs> no one reminded. But if you didn't hear the announcement, turn off your phones. Um, so uh, Acts 2.46, I want to give you us context as we look at this. Jesus has just led the disciples for, for three and a half years. And in the context of following Jesus, as we just said, they were all in community, Right? That means they walked for miles and miles every day together. They saw each other's warts. Somebody passed gas at some point. I'm sorry, mother-in-law, but I've got to say it. That's the kind of thing that, that, that happened. I know we're in church. We're re- this is real. They, we, they had stinky feet, and they, they got the, the little irritating idiosyncrasies about Peter began to upset, you know, Bartholomew. You know what I'm saying? And those, those little things, that was real. That's what they did, real life. And, uh, and, and for three and a half years, they followed Jesus like this. And they were not perfect. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, uh, they, we see this, this Jesus has ascended. Here is what the church that he leaves behind is doing. It says in Acts 2, 46, when is community group? So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Can you say in the temple? In the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Can you say house to house? You have two locations there. I know we're talking about when, not where, but two locations there. Temple and house to house. Daily, in the temple and from house to house, they ate their food 
with gladness and simplicity of heart. Well, I thought church was all about going and hearing the big shot preacher, and we put on our Sunday best, and we say praise the Lord, hallelujah, a bunch of times, and we listen to an hour-long offering, and uh, I thought that's what church was. Well, they're eating food with gladness, and they're, they're meeting in houses. Are you following what I'm saying? That, that realness and authenticity that I just expressed, that continued after Jesus ascended. House to house. So in the temple, what's the temple? It's the large, more organized public gathering. It is what we're doing right now. This is a temple gathering. This is important. It's not that the one is important and the other is not. We need both. We need the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. We need the public assembling together in that sense. But we also need the intimacy of breaking bread in the house. If you were to ask me which leg of mine is more important, the right or the, the left, what would your answer be? <laughs> kind of need them both. Temple or house to house, which is it? Yes. That's the, so, so that's the idea. Now, in church, some of you who have been in the church game for a while, you may have picked up on this, that in much of what we know in Western church is the, uh, the everything revolves around the show on Sunday morning. <laughs> it all, it's the crescendo of the week. It all builds up, and the pastor's preparing for 40 hours his sermon, and everyone's getting ready, and then finally on Sunday, we're all there, and bam, it's the show, right? And all of our energy goes towards the show, and I've heard someone say it, and I believe that this is more accurate, the idea of temple gatherings, what has become a show in Western church, is supposed to be more like what we would know in football as halftime. It's a pep talk when we get away from what we're really doing during the week so that we can get back in the focus and get our strategy and connect together and, okay, let's get the word of God and then go back and play. Are you following what I'm saying? The crescendo is the week. The Sunday morning's temple service, if you will, serves that. And so, again, we need both, but the, uh, what I'm saying all of this is to say if, the, if this is a halftime show, then what is the game? It's tomorrow. And community group is a part of the game that we play. The, I'm not talking about a game. We're not playing games, you know. <laughs> this is real. But it's a part of that thing of real life where we're no longer hearing, but we're doing the word. We're not just hearing. We're, you're hearing the word right now. Wednesday night, we need to discuss, myself included, how does this apply to me? What does this mean to me now? What adjustments are required? And so, uh, I'll just throw out a couple things of the, uh, of, of the mission element of the game. Uh, because if you think about the, the game that we're playing, if you liken it to a football game, what are we going out there and doing? What's God called us to do as this church? It's make disciples. That's what we're doing in community group, and that's what we should be doing during our week. And I know you may not, disciples means equals, look at this, disciples equals follower of Jesus. That's what, that is why we are here on this earth and not in heaven now, because we are here with the privilege of serving people to help them discover Jesus, follow him, and follow him better, and allow other people to do that in our lives. That's what we're doing couple examples, because we're talking about when is community group. I want to just give you examples of things that, so right now we're doing 6.30 at our house on Wednesday nights, right? That's our when. What we just read in Acts 2.46 is daily. So starting this week, we're going to start meeting daily. No. <laughs> this church in, the, in Jerusalem was 3,120 some odd souls at, at the writing of that scripture. The daily is because they had so many people that in any day, there were people meeting this home and that home and over there and in this temple. And you following what I'm saying? They, and so for us, we want to get to where there's every single day happening. And can I just point out a couple things that are happening, that have been happening? John David back there, the sound booth. Wait a minute, John David. Last year, this guy got a heart and said, I, I want the, my friends at school to know Jesus the way I do, and Lord, how, I just started struggling. Like, how do I do, I don't want to just like cram the Bible down. People certain we said, God, I mean, maybe we said God, John David, not God, John David, 
sometimes that's the desire is good. Sometimes we don't know how to do this. Just ask God. And a sequence of things happened to where an opportunity happened for him to pioneer and start a Bible study at school amongst his peers. So, and that, you, and over a couple of weeks, you heard teachers talking about the spiritual climate of that class, seventh and eighth grade, that he was leading without any teacher starting it. He did it. So, Wednesday night, we had community group. Thursday morning, over at Charlotte Mason Community School, there was a Bible study that was an extension of, can we say, that community group. And then in the neighborhood, Peter and John David started inviting some of their friends in the block and from school to come over for pizza, hang out, play some basketball or whatever. And then they kind of just naturally after dinner broke open some little bit of scripture, had some discussion, maybe prayed a little bit. And these guys who don't go to church, some of them, are being impacted, getting the word of God. That was happening on a Saturday, right? And then I had the privilege of being able to do kind of a young men's thing that we were, were starting. And, and so some young men in their 20s and college-age guys are coming over, and they're most of them probably aren't going to church as well, and they're being impacted by this. It's on a Saturday. And, uh, and then Rodney and Nita, they started— raise, raise your hand. Hey, ho. Rodney and Nita uh, started their— uh, got my timer, by the way. Guess we're in trouble. <laughs> Rodney and Nita started a food and faith that's every other month. So in their apartment, they're inviting every six weeks, every month and a half. They're, they're having people over for a meal, and then they just naturally kind of, Rodney usually, or Nita usually has something just to, not some scripted message, or Mickey, and, and they just kind of share out of their hearts in a conversational way. And Elsie and Sandra, some of who you have met, in their 70s, who have not been in church for a long time, are their, their, their words coming out of their mouth is beginning to change because they're being impacted by this, and they're beginning to kind of come into community. And that's on some other night of the week or something like that. What I'm saying is, there is something. So when is community group, is the question. It's, here it is. Community group can meet at any time, on any day, that works best to make disciples and, sh and should result in us building community with those who aren't following Jesus. That's, that's the win. Any of those little kind of groups that I just mentioned, any of them could become a community group. Right now, they're just kind of like inviting friends to something and just kind of sharing a little bit about Jesus. Which leads to the next question. That's the win. Where is community group? And I need you to get your, your fingers nimble if you have a Bible, because we're going to look through a, a, a quickly through a number of scriptures. Are you ready? So check this out. If you can flip with me over to John chapter 1, where is community group? Where is community group is the question. Now, I, I hope we can get this, what we're just about to look at. We'll look at where, and then we're going to look at some really, really practical, actionable steps that all of us can and I can say should make, at least some of them, to be a part of what we're talking about. But where is community group? First point here is that Jesus made his first disciples in a home. If you look with me, now that is significant, guys. The ministry of God in the flesh began in a home. When he could have chosen anywhere to gain his first followers, he chose that it would be in the context of a home. John chapter 1, verse 38, Jesus has just been baptized. John the Baptist sees him, says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. Two of John the Baptist's disciples hear John say that, and they think, well, who is that guy? And so two of them, one of them is Andrew, begins to follow Jesus. And it says in verse 38, Then Jesus turned and seeing them said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, Where are you staying? What's significant about that? That means where is your home? Where, even if it's a temporary home, where, is, where are you making your abode? That's the context here. Verse 39, he said to them, Come and see. I want you to capture that. Come and see. Temple meetings are come and hear. House to house is come and see. It's real life. 
I'm actually finding out what's going on in Sharon's real life. Hopefully you're finding out about what's going on in Rodney's real life. And you're seeing how we conduct ourselves, not putting on our Wednesday night best, you know, oh, it's community group, everyone's going to be looking at us, let's act spiritual. No, it's being known in the God in us being seen and seeing Jesus in others. Come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now I would imagine there was a meal. Now it was about the 10th hour. Now what's the result of this? One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. In other words, Jesus bringing people into what? A home. It wasn't where he preached at them. It's where they broke bread and shared. And that resulted in one of them saying, I got to go tell this. Uh, you got My brother's got to meet you. And then when they started following Jesus, they went and found another guy named Nathaniel. And he started following. And then Philip. And it just organically began to grow through relationship. Next point. Jesus reached his disciples' friends also in homes. So once he started gaining some, some followers, those followers had friends who weren't following. How did Jesus begin to reach out to them? Listen to this, because the same Jesus is alive in you and me today, and he still has the same tactics. And values, not just tactics, values, the value of home and relationship. If you'll turn with me over to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew, who wrote this gospel, is also writing about his, himself in chapter 9. The moment where Jesus went to Matthew's tax booth, because Matthew was a tax collector. And in that day, tax collectors were hated by the Jewish population. Because they were taking tax from the Jewish people, God's chosen people, and giving it to the heathen Roman Empire. And they were looked at as a disgrace to the people of God. And here's Jesus, where Matthew should be a disgrace, and he goes right up to that tax booth, and he says, come, follow me. Matthew begins following him, and what's the first thing that Matthew does? He enrolls in Bible school. He gets theological training before he can do anything for Jesus, right? He has his friends who were tax, other tax collectors and sinners into his home, and invites Jesus to join that bunch. Hey, how good is the church at doing that today? Can we be real? I think we're real good at having each other over. I think we suck at, at, at building community with people who aren't yet in the holy huddle. Pardon my bluntness, but, not, but don't pardon me because we need to hear it. So, G so Matthew 9, 10, listen to this. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Community. Jesus influenced his followers' sphere of influence. Remember your friends, your coworkers, your classmates, your family, those people that you have relationship. He influenced those, the sphere of influence of his own followers, through meal sharing in homes. Question for us this morning. Does Jesus want to influence my sphere of influence in my house? Check this out. Remember how we said it's not just your sphere of influence? There are also other groups beyond our sphere of influence to go. You want to guess how Jesus told his disciples to do that? I'm going to let somebody make a guess. In a? Are you, hey, Paul's listening. Good job. Star on your star chart. Listen to this. Go over to Luke chapter 10. Jesus commissions his 12 apostles in Luke chapter 9 to go do some stuff. And then in Luke chapter 10, he commissions the 70 disciples to go do something very similar. Why is that significant? 
because the 70 disciples were not the apostles. It was the, not to make you sound small, Penny, but it was the Pennies. It was the Pauls. It was the Priscilla's, the Sharon's, the Stephanie's. Are you following? This is who he was sending. Not the people who were going to be in leadership of the church. People who were following Jesus. He sent them. And when he sent them, how did he tell, what did he tell them to do? Luke chapter 10, verse 5, but whatever house you enter. Can you say house? Are you catching this now? Is the temple bad? No, but is the house important? <laughs> so, but whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. Go over to verse 7. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking. So there's food, there's fellowship, there's connection over a meal. Such things as they give for the labor is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. He gave, can I say, his lay disciples the primary strategy of connecting in homes as a way to reach the people beyond their sphere of influence. I'm going to drop a little hint. That is going to be happening in this church soon. And some of you need to be a part of it. Above and beyond Rosedale Park in the Detroit area. So, and I'm excited about it. Let it be the beginning of many, many, many. Let's go over. Uh, Jesus is the most important, but we've got to say, how did this work its way out in the early church? You know, did, when, it, when it became about the church and not Jesus, did we kind of forget about the home thing, or was the home still important? Well, let's look at this. Early church, you don't have to turn there. Acts chapter 1. Jesus started his ministry, first making a disciple in John chapter 1, in a home, as we already looked at. And he handed over, and he ascended into heaven, and he told his disciples to go where? To an upper room in a home. And where was the church birthed? In a home. And the Holy Spirit came down upon people as they were in a home, living together. That's where the church was birthed. And this day of Pentecost happens, and the fire of God comes upon Peter, and he preaches the gospel. 3,000 people get saved in one day. 3,000 people get baptized in that same day. And now we have this church in Jerusalem, the first ever local church. And what did they do? How did they conduct themselves? As we read earlier in Acts 2.46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread, having meals, praise the Lord, from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. In a sense, Jesus began and ended his ministry in a home. You, you follow what I'm saying? He handed the baton over to a home. We, for time's sake, we're going to skip over Acts 5.42, because I know you're thinking that, right? Uh, where we're going to find out that about another moment of the church in Jerusalem meeting at home. And we're going to skip right over Acts 12, verse 12, as you were anticipating, where it talks about them praying and uh, together and, 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 and interceding together in a, at home. But I, I just want to go over to Acts chapter 11 um, and, 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 and say this that this church started in Jerusalem. But Jesus said at the beginning of the book of Acts that you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost ends of the earth. And that church started off as a strictly Jewish entity, phenomenon. And they thought in their little vision that we're the people of God, Everyone else is the heathen. I mean, for years, for the first couple of years of the church, no people who were not Jews ever heard, received the gospel. And God had to do something about that. In Acts chapter 10, we see God do something about that. In 11, Peter, the first person to take the gospel to somebody who was a Gentile, is telling his story. And if you'll pick up with me, Acts chapter 11, verse 12, how did the gospel, is the question, first get to the Gentile world. It says in verse 12, G Peter says, then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brothers accompanying me, and we entered the man's house. Speaking of Cornelius, a full-blooded Gentile guy, and uh, it would go on to say, down in verse 15, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came upon them as upon us, at the beginning. 
When he entered that man's house, that was unlawful in Jewish tradition. Why? Because it was a heathen Gentile. They were unclean, and you become unclean if you enter into an unclean person's house. And the idea of going into his house was to say this, I accept you. We are brothers. And that's the heart of Jesus that drove Jesus to a cross. It's because in your sin, I want fellowship and meal sharing and family with you. And that is the idea of house. And the church needs to get back to this. Not abandoning temple, but the halftime show has got to stop being the crescendo. It has got to be the training for the real thing that happens during the week. You and I are called to be the family of God. But wait, there's more. This guy, Paul, you may have heard of him, Paul the Apostle. He starts his apostolic journeys, taking this gospel. gospel. And remember, <clears throat> we said as a working definition last week of what the church really is, it's the life of God manifest in the context of community. When you guys come into the community group, you know and can experience the presence of God that is unexplainably there. I don't know how it gets there. What, I just know we're all in faith, and he's, you feel him and experience him. That needs to be multiplied. And Paul was doing that. He was multiplying that into other regions of the world. Remember that whole thing about uttermost ends of the earth? How did the gospel break into the city of Philippi, where that church was that Paul wrote that letter of Philippians to? How did that happen? If you look with me in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, they go into Philippi. They don't really have a synagogue to go to as would normally be their custom and go speak to the Jews first. They go down to a river and there's some women who are praying and they just kind of share the gospel with the women. One of these women, her name was Lydia. She was a strategic lady. She was a seller in purple, which means kind of like a fine fabrics. She was probably wealthy. And Paul starts sharing the gospel, and Lydia, out of this group of women, says yes to the Lord, and receives, puts her faith in Jesus. And it says in verse 15, and when she and her household were baptized, something happened in between her at the river receiving Jesus to going back and communicating to her household. What is household? We're not talking about the structure, we're talking about the people who live in the structure. All, they all got baptized. How did that happen? Because they, she connected with Paul and invited him into the home with Silas and introduced them relationally to her household. Her household saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And so she persuaded us. How did the church in Philippi get planted? It was Paul with his crusade, and he got his stage and his speakers, and he preached the gospel, and all these. No, it was a woman who gave her life to the Lord and opened up her house, and they, they were able to reach her, her household. Now, they continued to kind of minister into that area, and that culminated with them being thrown into prison. Did I say following Jesus and doing this community group thing that I'm talking about will always be easy? <laughs> you follow Jesus, you're going you're gonna to see some stuff. They got thrown into prison. What did they do while in prison? What any of us would do? They started singing songs. And they, they started praising God. And what happened as a result of that? Obviously, an earthquake happened, broke open the jail cell doors. The jailer see, hear, heard them singing songs, seized the jail, jail sore. The jail cell door opened, and he freaks out and says, What God are you serving? They told him what God they were serving. Jailer guy gets born again, receives Jesus. Also in the city of Philippi. We're still in Philippi here. Acts chapter 16, verse 32. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, being the jailer, and to all who were in his house. Are you catching a pattern here? In his house. And down to verse 34. And now when they had brought them into his house, he set food before them. Are you also seeing another pattern? Meal sharing, intimacy, letting your hair down, being real. There's something about human connection over food. I don't know how to explain it. It just is. You get to know somebody over a meal better than any other way. 
set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. And so I just want to say an entire region, Philippi became a base church and an influential, impactful church. That church was planted because two houses opened up relationally. My question for us this morning is this. Is your house a beginning point for Jesus to reach a sphere? Oh, I thought I just kind of like bought my house and we need a place to stay. Let me tell you something. If you belong to Jesus and that house belongs to you, that house belongs to Jesus. And in case you think you're off the hook, if you're renting that house and you belong to Jesus, that house belongs to Jesus. <laughs> For his glory and purposes. Another question to ask. What if someone in your sphere, your, your relationships, what if they would open up a whole network, even a whole city, a whole region, if you at first would just build community with them with the platform of your house. What could happen, like with Lydia, like with this jailer? Whole church is planted, a region covered with the gospel because a couple people simply opened up their door. What if we would do that? So, of course, I'm just going to skip over Acts 18 for time's sake. I know you guys were wanting me to talk about how Paul and Corinth also based in a house and Paul and Ephesus talks about meeting in homes. But I do want to go to this. If you can go to the end of the book of Acts, chapter 28, the last two verses. Do you, by the way, as you're turning to Acts 28, do you remember what we said earlier about Jesus? He began his ministry in a? And when he, when he ended it, he handed it over and they were in a? And then the book of Acts, it kind of picks up where that left off and they're in the upper room in a? And how does the book of Acts end? Acts 28, verse 30 and 31. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented, there's that word, rented house, and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. The Acts begins and ends in a house. I think we are amiss if we're not thinking that God is wanting to say something to us about this. And we're going to skip over Romans 16.3 and Colossians 4.5 and Philemon 1.2 that also all talk about churches that meet in houses. But if I can recap everything that we just said, because the question is, where does the uh, community group meet? I just want to say this. Homes were the setting of Jesus making his first disciples— where he reached his disciples' sphere of influence, where he sent his disciples to reach other groups, where he had them start his church in Jerusalem, what the first church continued meeting in after growing, where Gentiles were first reached, how some entire regions were opened up to the gospel, and where many churches continued to meet. Do you think God cares that we meet in a house? And here's the whole point, my friends. Church is the family of God. You and I have grown up and lived so long in a Western culture that has tried to say church is a performance and a show. And it happens on Sunday morning. And we clock in and we get our Sunday best. And we make sure we got our praise the Lords and our hallelujahs and we show our Sunday thing and God is saying you will never be shaped into the image of Jesus if that is how you do church. You have to know each other. You have to be with each other. We have to let our facade down and take our masks off. <laughs> I'm kidding. Hey, leave your mask on. <laughs> I was just, I was looking at you when I said it. And we got, we got, you know that thing, that mask? Have you ever been hanging out with, and guys, oof, when you're talking to Christians and it's like they, they, they have a language and it's like this thing and you can tell that like they, they start change the way they talk when they, you're another Christian, they talk to you in a certain way and it's like, dude, I just want to know you. Like, you know, like if I ask you how you're doing and your response is praise the Lord, what does that even mean? Like, yeah, praise the Lord, but how are you doing, man? Like, 
can we, <laughs> BJ knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, anyways, we, we, so the whole idea is church, the whole idea of meeting in home. Why is God saying this? What is important in the heart of God around this? It's that family. We've got to be real. Got to be real. And uh, as we get into this final element, this how, how do we do community group? We just looked at when, where, and now we're talking about how. It's going to get real practical in a minute. I just want to say this, and I hope that I don't come across arrogantly at all, but I believe this. I believe leadership is primarily meant to model something. I had a conversation uh, uh, yesterday with somebody who was asking me about New Covenant Ministries International, the apostolic team that we partner with, and he asked me this question. Who's, you know, who's at the top? Who's your, who's your, who's the leader of this thing? Who's at the top? And I said, you know, that's not really our idea of leadership. We think of leadership at the top means like you're speaking down to and you're commanding orders to all those people below you. We think of leadership as being out front, that you're, you're modeling and you're going somewhere that other people can be inspired by and follow. And so that's our concept of leadership, and I, I want to humbly submit, I believe that in this past season, our family has been hewing out this reality of building community with people outside the church, reaching people that we know and having them in our home to, to share a meal. I'm not, I'm, I, please, I'm not trying to brag or talk about how, you know, put, put 10 stars on my star chart for how well we've done. My point is this, what Minda and I have been doing in our house, I believe this is the season for that to be multiplied by being replicated, not out of pressure, but out of the heart of God that would send us first and that other people would begin to do, follow suit. And let's look at how God can use us. I mean, in this, in this room, even, uh, Priscilla and Jackie, for sure, are here simply because of hospitality. I guess to a degree, Stephanie, if you want to count me serving her as a realtor. <laughs> but, 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 but extending a phone conversation just to invite her, you know what I'm saying? So as we get into the how, how do we do community group? Let's first say this. There are four main things. One is be there. Prioritize it. That was easy. Easy to say, but it, in if you don't, if you haven't been prioritizing it, it almost surely means something in your current schedule and rhythms have to adjust to make it a priority. So just because we hear a message about how wonderful it is that God wants to use homes, it's another thing to actually, in the course of our day, rearrange our schedule to make sure that we do it. That's what I'm saying. Number one, prioritize, be there. Number two, be real. The whole point of meeting in a home is to be real, to really know each other. And so that means that we need to open up. Now, I'm not talking about airing every negative thing that we're struggling with in the community groups that we all have to, that's not what I mean. But if we're talking about a, a something that was preached on Sunday, and as we're discussing it, we're realizing, you know what, actually, I struggle with that. It would be better to say, you know what, <laughs> actually I struggle with that, than to just sit there and lis listen to everybody else wax eloquent. Does that make, make sense? Be real, and that's twofold. Be real with what you struggle with. Be willing to, to get help. Be real in being able to give help. Some of us have something to say, and we think, oh, who am I to say something? I mean, and, and I don't want to make them feel like I'm preaching at them or... No, be real. If you've got something to, to contribute, share it. So prioritize it, be there. Secondly, be real. Thirdly, uh, let's look at our personality types. When I was first trained to lead what we used to call back then cell groups in the late 90s, aging myself, uh, there was a guy, Ralph Neighbor. And he was like the American voice for, for community group, as we call it. He was, and so I went through training in a church back in those days of how to lead a community group. And one of the points that he would make is what kills a community group. 
And one of the things that can kill, and do you know a community group can be killed? <laughs> Churches can be killed by some fatal flaws. One of the fatal flaws of a community group is not managing our personality types well. So broadly speaking, let's say extroverts and introverts. So you've got the more outspoken, more extroverted types. And Ralph Neighbor was saying, if, if there's a dominating personality that just hogs the conversation and talks, eventually people are not going to want to come to community group. Why? Because it's the, let's call the person Larry. It's the Larry show. And we just, <laughs> everybody listens to Larry, <laughs> you know, about whatever. And it, it actually ends up killing the thing. And so let me just throw this out there to some of us extrovert types, right, is... If you think about it, we eat at 6.30, we have communion at around 7, general rule of thumb. Around 7.10, we're, uh, we're uh, beginning our discussion. So 7.10 to around 7.45, how long is that? 35 minutes. 35 minutes for a discussion. You following me? If the leader, the person facilitating, probably needs five minutes to be able to introduce the conversation and be able to ask a few questions along the way probably needs five minutes meaning that if we have 15 person in the people in the room and there's 30 minutes how many do minutes do each of us have to share during the context about two and that should be a good rule of thumb I shouldn't be speaking for more than two minutes in the whole of the discussion uh, this is not a law right I don't want to like is my two minutes up <laughs> she's been speaking for four minutes you know, let's not do that, but I just, practically, we all need to see, especially as extroverted, outspoken types, we need to think, my sharing could mean that person didn't get to share, and they needed to share. Uh, and another thing would be getting off topic. So it's not to say that we can't say something that doesn't directly relate and have to be in a, in a, in a straitjacket, but the life of God is in what God is saying to the group. There is a reason that we are talking about what is preached on Sunday. And if we just go off on some other tangent, we have effectively wasted everybody's time. So on that, so, so for us extroverts, we need to be mindful of that. And here's what we do. Think about is what I'm sharing going on longer than it needs to be, and think about uh, caring about other people in the room and getting to share. Now, some of you introverts, you think you're off the hook. You ain't. <laughs> and you may be shocked by this, but my natural personality is uh, of your group. I'm would, maybe because I'm leading, I happen to be a little bit more outspoken. But if I'm not the leader in a group, I'm, my nature is to want to not talk. And uh, when I go and I'm a part of this apostolic team that we partner with, and I'm around all these like people leading big churches and all these people who have seen the dead raised and all this kind of stuff. I'm tempted to not share. But you know what? Jesus is inside of me. And it is not humble for me to not open my mouth because who am I to speak? It is actually prideful. Because God wants to use me, but he can't because I'm unwilling. I'm unwilling to open my mouth because of some false sense of self kind of uh, deprecation. Is that the right word? Let's go with that. <laughs> Maybe we'll make up a word. So being quiet is probably pride, not humility. And let me say this for us introverts in the room. There is power when we open up and to give. Some, as we've said recently, some people who are more, in, more introverted or maybe you're not introverted, maybe you're just intimidated. Maybe in another, you're very talkative in another context, but you're just intimidated around some of the people that you feel are spiritual giants or whatever. Either case, there is power when you open up your mouth, both to give to others and to be able to receive. It's when you say, you know what, I'm kind of struggling with that, that that opens up the channel for somebody who has something that can help you to help you, but if you never said, I'm struggling with that. They would have never been able to say something. So be there. Be real. Let's be consider, considering our personality types and how we can uh, help release the life of God and not stifle it. And then fourthly, how do we do community group? Is multiplication. And, and, and that may not be clear right now, but let me just uh, 
let me just kind of dive into that real quick. How can you use home to reach people? Because a lot of what we said this morning and even yesterday kind of builds to that. And so we got to ask the question, how do we use home to reach people? What would that possibly look like? You ready? Do you want to know? Some of you are like, that depends. Well, again, this is what I would say. And I believe that there is grace from God. And that's a strong thing to say. There's grace from God in the doing of these things. So how can we use our home to reach people? One idea would be to invite people who are not following Jesus into your home. You remember me talking about Deline last week back in South Africa when we lived there and she was our neighbor and we invited her over for what South Africans would call tea and biscuits. And that directly, that, that conversation built a relationship that led to me leading her to Jesus and preaching at her funeral to all these other people that were in her life. How did that happen? Tea and biscuits. So what can you do to reach people? Invite them into your home. Not, not giving them a Bible when they arrive and saying, okay, like sit down and let's talk about how you need to get right with God. No, just invite them over, get to know them. Another idea is invite your sphere of influence and maybe <clears throat> some Border City Church friends together and do something with those friends that you have that don't follow Jesus with the friends that do. One idea would be the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's get some nachos. Let's get some... Uh, Whatever else we might have, I, just nachos. If you're going to invite me, that's what you should do. Nachos. And some of your friends who don't know Jesus and some of your friends who do, and get them together and let's just connect. And you know what happens? They see that some of your friends that are following Jesus are real. They like them. And then it becomes natural to say, hey, you know what? We meet at this thing that we call community group. And do you want to come along? It's been powerful in my life. It's I'd love for you to, you know, whatever, however you want to word it. But you follow what I'm saying? Then it's not some weird, like, what are these church people? Oh, it's, it's BJ and it's Rodney. I remember, yeah, I like them. Yeah, I'd love to come. Do you follow? Because relationship has happened already. It's that power of connection and human connection and home. So that's another idea is just invite a mix of, of people who aren't following and who are following. How about, let me take it press the, the throttle down a little bit more. What if you were to, like Rodney and Nita, start a food and faith group? Start a food and faith group. Uh, what's the qualifications, by the way, to start a food and faith group? <laughs> food, yes. Food, have a house. And if you're following Jesus, you can invite people in and just have a discussion. You don't need to be a theologian. If you are following Jesus, you've got something to share with people who don't have what you have. It it really, the power of the Holy Spirit is upon you to do something like this. It's in the taking an actionable faith step of actually doing something that you see that he is with you. Most Christians just live in our little, kind of going through, we're surviving and asking Jesus, help me. And that's our Christian, Christian life. No, no, no. It's thriving, man. It's it's, it's doing the works of Jesus even when you're not worthy of it and you see Jesus with you when you take steps. So start a food and faith group. And what I mean by that is have some friends over, have a meal, let them know that you're going to be sharing a little stuff of what God's been doing in your life. It's going to be easy, conversational. It's not going to be preachy. Just have a little bit of conversation. See what happens. Just do it. You can do that. What if you say, you know what? I hear you. I know that, technically speaking, I can do that, but I do not feel like I have a clue how to do that. I've got a solution for you. Invite somebody from the church who has a little bit of experience to come and do it with you. And do that whole kind of connecting people who don't follow with people who, who you do, that you know that do follow. Maybe, maybe they can lead, or maybe they can just be there with you and kind of tell you how to, how to do it or whatever. Is this good? So... Uh, super, super practical. Um, 
If you are interested in doing, especially those last couple ones, where you're maybe like doing a food and faith group or, or whatever, and you're interested in doing that, but you're like, I could probably use some input on how to do that, or maybe I need a partner to help me with that. Can you write this down and cross-stitch it on a pillow and make a sticky note and put a reminder in your phone? Contact me and Minda. We're going to be out of town for a, for a bit, but we are going to be accessible by email. We'd love to help you and hear from you over email. And I would say if you're feeling stirred, do it sooner rather than later. You wait, it wanes, it dies, and you forget about it. Act, and let, let me and Minda know, uh, please. So, uh, so yeah, we're talking about multiplication. Also, when we, when we multiply another group, and we're almost done, I know, I know we're going long. When we multiply, um, there's gonna be needs to help in the multiplication of new groups. And so, as you multiply another group, it could be that we need more host homes. Maybe you're not leading a community group, but you have a home and, and the community group can meet in your home. We're gonna need, uh, there's gonna be a need for homes. And so maybe offer your home uh, to host. The, the Kulix did that so wonderfully. And can I say, as, um, as we, <laughs> as we um, uh, point that out, that hosting does not need to be too onerous. Why? Because the whole community group has got to carry the weight. Has got to, and so I want to encourage everybody, everybody, if you see yourself as a part of a community group, everybody help bring food. If you make a dollar a week or whatever the case may be, if you would be eating uh, on your own that night, you presumably have resource to have some food for yourself. Use that, those funds to rather help bring something, even if it's just diced tomatoes or something. Everybody help bring food. Everybody, when necessary, help clean up as well. Now, in case you think that I'm rebuking everybody because you haven't been cleaning up in our, in our house, let me explain something. We have paper plates. Like, if you take your paper plate to the trash can, you're basically cleaning up. Super easy in our house. So I'm not rebuking. There's been no need. Like, when you leave, we basically have very little to do. But somebody else's house, maybe that's not the case. So as we're multiplying groups, can you be mindful of the group that you're in? Don't leave before the, it's cleaned up. Don't just, don't just be a, a freeloader. You know, come in and be community, family, help. Why, why is that important? Because it helps making multiplying groups easy. If it's so hard to host a group, no one's going to want to do it. we got to team together to make it easy. So that's something you can offer your house. Please let us know. You can help to clean up. You can um, invite people to the group. And uh, lastly, and we don't even need to talk about it, but all of this necessitates leadership reproduction. You may notice that I've had Bob leading community groups, John David, uh, uh, Peter, <laughs> my, son, <laughs> my son, Rodney, Anita, Mickey, all of these have been facilitating community group. Why? Because I want everybody to be in the flow and for there to be a pool of people who can go lead other groups easily because they're getting the, used to the rhythm of leading. And so some other people in this room could easily be uh, in, in, in line for that. So be ready for that. Offer yourself to the Lord. Can we just pray?